You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love Pour Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Good morning out there. I want to start with this thought from Audre Lorde. When I dare to be powerful, to use my strength in the service of my vision, then it becomes less and less important whether I am afraid. And again, that's Audre Lorde. And you are absolutely listening to the Winning Book Radio Show off the shelf. I want to welcome you to our Saturday, June 27th show. You guys, this is the last Saturday in June, I feel like this month just went like a blur. I always like to pause and acknowledge our listeners who've been with us going. We've had for 16 years on the radio, you guys, so I like to pause and honor those who've been with us from the very, very beginning. And if this is your first time tuning in to Off the Shelf, we have an awesome show in store for you this morning. There is still time for you to let your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors, they they don't even have to leave their home from the comfort of their home. They can catch today's show, and the listener dial-in is 347-994-3490. Again, that's 347-994-3490. This show, for some people, may prove to be, it may offer a lot of healing. It may offer a tremendous amount of healing for some, and this it, it deals with a topic that we often like to just, I mean, run and hide from, but we all have to deal with. And I will let you know more about that as I introduce our guests, but I really encourage you to anybody you know, again, you don't. we don't always tell people what we're going through. Something could have happened to somebody years ago and they could be stuck and still dealing with it. And the listener dialing again is 347-994-3490. And you, before this hour is over, you may be very, very glad that you asked somebody to catch uh, off the shelf this morning. But before we get into it, I just got to do a little uh, ad spot for one of our sponsors. So I want to encourage you to visit Breaking Rules Publishing, and that is spelled just the way it sounds, breakingrulespublishing.com. They offer editing, reviews, and book critique services. And, you know, I always ask you guys how good of a mystery sleuth are you. Are you one of those people who can figure out who done it? I was watching a, a, a thriller yesterday, and it was a little too uh, – the the topic was a little too on edge for me, so I turned away from it. But you know how you watch a, a thriller or a suspense and you want to know what's going to happen and you're just sitting on the edge of your seat and you want to figure out just how, just who did it, why they did it before it's revealed. If that's you, I think you will love, love pour over me. But even more in the book, there is a a soulmate relationship but it's involving two people who have been injured from their childhood. Raymond, in particular, he's a star of, of Love Pour Over Me. His father had untreated alcoholism, and his mother left when he was two, so he has he has a lot to work through. But he meets Brenda when they're in college in Pennsylvania, and he also meets these four friends, these guys. One goes on to play in the NFL, and Raymond's on his way to the Olympics. And their friendships 
nothing can break these friendships that these guys have. But there's also a murder mystery and how involved are the friends in that murder mystery. If you like mystery and you love, you just you just value relationships, I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. You can get an e-book or print. If you don't see it on the store shelves, just ask the clerk to order a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turning for you, because it's, and they can put a special order in for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And I hope you get a copy and let me know how you enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And now I'm so excited I read this book. We have had so many guests on. I, I can't read every book. I can't, I, there's just too many books to read and then do all the other stuff I do. But I did read this book, Start to Finish. Oh, what a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing. So I want to introduce you to our very special off-the-shelf guests and our special guests this morning. We have a duo, a dynamic duo, Jocelyn Montanero and Catherine Weisenberg. Now, Jocelyn is Kevin's wife, and you'll come to understand more about that later in the show. She's also a mother and the co-author of Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife. Don't run off. I know this is something that people, this scare people away. They're like, oh, no. Kevin was a deeply spiritual man who suffered a brain tumor, not once but twice. And it's what happened after his brain surgery that would not only connect Jocelyn and Catherine, but absolutely change their lives. And my guess is that Jocelyn never thought she'd be writing a book. And Catherine had been communicating with people who had transitioned or exited their bodies before Jocelyn and before they ever met. But the experiences that she had communicating with Kevin, even while he was in a coma, some of these experiences proved new for even her. And it wasn't long before these two remarkable men, women built a bridge of trust and friendship. And this is like a what could be a more um, intense situation. You like begging for something not to happen. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to see my loved one go. And then this other person is in your life. It's got to be really intense. But a huge blessing that grew from their connection is the book Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife. But anyone who has ever experienced grief, and if you used to hang on around in this world long enough, it's going to happen. Anyone who has experienced grief or loss may truly find blessing. I can't tell you how much. I really can't. Insight, comfort, and healing just just by reading Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife. And I, I just consider it a blessing. I've been looking forward to this show, to have Jocelyn and Catherine on Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio. I encourage you to visit them online at Beyond Ever After, and it's, it's, it's spelled just the way it sounds, B-E-Y-O-N-D-E-V-E-R. A-F-T-E-R dot com. Again, that's B-E-Y-O-N-D-E-V-E-R-A-F-T-E-R dot com. You could even go over there now and explore their website as you enjoy today's show. And we're just honored to have Jocelyn and Catherine join us on Off the Shelf Bookstock Radio this morning. Welcome, 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 Jocelyn and Catherine. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It is truly a – I'm telling you, I read this book. I, I've had a lot of people who I'm close to crossed over, and 
or I say exit their body now, but this book was such a such a healing. I highly, highly recommend it. If I know anybody who's struggling with grief, I'm gonna recommend it. Don't just tell them don't 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 judge or anything. Just read the book and see if you don't come away uh, with some type of a healing. Now, so these first few questions I'm gonna ask you. I ask every guest who comes on the show because our listeners like to know a little bit about our guests before we just launch right in and talking about their book. So to begin, can you tell off-the-shelf listeners, and we can start with Jocelyn and Catherine, if you can tell our listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up. Catherine, want to go first? She she wants to start with you, but um, I'll go. Uh, Catherine will go. Uh, I grew up in Illinois, um, on the uh, Illinois side of the river, uh, outside of St. Louis and Missouri, and uh, raised by a single mother, um, uh, you know, um, older sister, had a brother eight years younger than myself, and um, when I was 25, I decided I I went to work early, um, was you know, managed clothing stores, was, you know, had, was one of those hard-working kids that went to school, went, got a job at 16 and worked full-time, and by the time, and went to college part-time, and when I was in my mid-20s, I thought I saved up enough money to pay for my own schooling, and I moved to California, and uh, have never looked back, so, um, yeah, that's me, had some strong women, uh, a mother um, who raised me and a grandmother who was the matriarch, uh, was widowed early as a woman um, with five little kids. And so I've been the benefactor of very strong women who, you know, left their heart prints on me. Oh, what a blessing, what a blessing. And Miss Jocelyn, so when you were... Where did where did you where where did you grow up? Where did you grow up? What was life like for you as a kid growing up? Well, I grew up in Santa Barbara, California, which is where um both Catherine and I um live now. And um we moved here when I was about two years old from Connecticut, so this is pretty much all I've ever known as a childhood. And it was a great place to grow up. It's a lot different now, of course, but um it was a great place to grow up my my parents had five kids so there was a lot of us and there wasn't a lot of money so there was a lot of spaghetti which I don't eat at all anymore because of that and uh I don't know why I said that but that makes me think of my childhood and uh, but it was good I had uh, uh, four brothers and sisters and um um we sailed and just kind of had a regular California upbringing nothing really special and then I went to college and went to law school and then that's where I met um, when I met my husband Kevin, when I was in law school, I, I was so nothing ask, really remarkable about my life. I, I, I well, I definitely would say there, there is. You both came from those five in both of your families, five kids in both of your families, which is interesting. Um, so, Catherine, when you reading the book, seeing what you do today, but when you were a little girl, what did you dream? Of becoming, what did you say? Oh, I want to be when I grow up. When you were a kid. Um, well, uh, you know, I remember that I used to, 
you know, as an only child for eight years, and the spread with my little brother, um, and a part of that, we lived on a farm, kind of rurally. So, I, you know, I would uh, play with my stuffed animals, be a doctor, and pretend I was giving them shots, and uh, I would. I loved my Barbies, and um, you know, I think that um, my ha- my mother was ill a lot, so I think I really um, spent a lot of my childhood taking care of my mom. Um, and so, for dreams for myself, I would say, you know, I had an aunt that was bigger than life, my aunt Alma, and she would come home and she'd be like this whirlwind of 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 interest and you know intellect and beauty and she'd bring books and she and she would talk about art and and you know I didn't know um but every visit I she was I thought you know I don't know about this California I don't know what exactly it is but I I looked at her and said if I could be you know if if living in California is this exciting? I'm going to go there. So I don't know that I thought about what I wanted to be. Um, I just wanted a bigger life. Um, And uh, um, uh, I don't have to, well, anyway, uh, you know, Midwest people are great people, but um, sometimes they have smaller ideas. And I think that I always had always was a little different I was adopted so maybe that's why but um anyhow okay and then what did you want to be when you grew up uh Jocelyn I wanted to be a marine biologist like Jacques Cousteau wow that's what I wanted to be that's what I oh I know I know I always wanted to be a marine biologist and we used to have it's funny in Santa Barbara this um it used to be by in the harbor they had this uh little sea center when I was a kid, where they had fish underneath, and you know, we'd go on field trips and stuff, and I just always wanted to do that. Of course, I didn't, but um, that was my dream to be the uh-huh. female Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> oh my God! You know, when I interview, doing this over fifteen years, it's amazing how many people we've had actresses on, movie producers, people who who gone on to write books, but very few end up doing what they wanted to do when they were a kid. It's almost shocking when you see and they'll say, oh, I wanted to be this, and then I became, went down a totally different path. Now Mm -hmm. to get to the core of today's show, and I think, you know, before before I even start, uh, there are people I know who are dealing with grief, and some people get so, it gets stuck in it for years. It's really sad. I mean, it's, uh, but it's the thing nobody wants to talk about. It's like, I mean, it's the big, you, you're just supposed to act like it, nothing happened, and people just don't talk about it. It's a big, big taboo, which is weird to me that people, it happens to everybody, but so few people want to discuss it. So, Jocelyn, I wanted to ask you, if you could just tell us or share with us a little about life with Kevin. And he just came across such a wonderful, wonderful, so, oh, my goodness, if you could just tell us about life with him uh, before he became ill, what was he like? Well, I was really lucky because, I mean, I just lucked out. I married the best human being in the world, 
and I didn't really appreciate it um, until it was, you know, no longer. Um, I didn't really realize how great our relationship was until it was gone. But we just had a really happy marriage. We had tons of fun together all the time. We worked together. We were both attorneys, and um, uh, and we just always we just couldn't get enough of each other. I mean, it sounds strange because we were married for a long time, but we just really dug each other and we found each other interesting and we laughed a lot and, and uh, respected each other and we respected each other's intellects. And we just had a really great, solid partnership and with a lot of love, it's something that I don't think a lot of people, unfortunately, you know, get in their relationships. And we had three kids, um, so things were things were good, you know, until he got sick, and then they weren't. So mm. now, in the book Beyond Ever After: Heart to Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife, you say that you were not religious, and then it seemed like a message that really um, it came through strong and clear for me as a reader. Now, why did you agree to meet with Catherine? And just based on at the time your thoughts, your beliefs then, why did you agree agree to even meet with Catherine? And what happened to make you believe that she was in fact communicating with Kevin? Well, I was desperate, beyond desperate. I you're right, I wasn't a religious or a spiritual person and um it just you know, it was Kevin's thing. He was he was very spiritual and I, you know, my husband had gone in to get this brain, get this tumor removed, and he was supposed to be home in a few days, and an artery tore in his head in the recovery room, and everything just went south, and, you know, a month later, he's still in this coma, and I was desperate. I didn't know what to do, and my sister Vicki um, had been friends with Catherine for years and had several, many writings with her, and she had kept saying, you know, why don't you just have a writing with Catherine, and I was... I didn't want to do it. One, I didn't believe that she could do it. And two, I knew a lot of it because she's also a prayer chaplain. Um, She said, well, she can just pray with you. And I was so angry about the situation I was in and angry with a God I didn't really even believe in. I mean, I kept, you know, when you're in that situation, even if you don't believe in God, you pray because you're desperate. And, you know, I was doing all those things that desperate people do. And that's when I had the opportunity with Catherine Finally, after a month, I just figure, what do I have to lose, you know? And so um, we set up a time to talk, and Catherine was in Washington State, and I was in L.A., and when she started writing, and she can tell you more about that because that's the most interesting part of it all, really, um, uh, I, she told me she heard this man's voice, and I asked, you know, if it was Kevin, and he goes, well, yeah, of course it's me. And, and so he said a few kind of general things, and then I asked him what was the last thing he remembered. And this answers your question is how do I know that Catherine was really communicating with my husband who was in a coma. Um, and it was that he told me the last thing he remembered, which is a comment he made to the surgeon as they were wheeling him into, the, into get surgery. So I knew that no one else had heard that comment. The surgeon had shared it with me. And Catherine certainly had it, hadn't heard it. So I knew in that moment that I was actually talking to him through Catherine when he was in a coma. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I know. It's amazing. It's amazing. Catherine, Catherine I actually worked with a woman in um, uh, New York, and she worked with a guy who he said he started hearing from people on the, on the other side or 
uh, he was in school, like at his locker, and he was wondering, like, what what is all this communication coming from? And he he wanted to be able to close it out because you know he felt strange about it, but he went on to do it. I think as a like with helping people as a career, but something happened with her that he knew something. She said, "There's no way he should have known it. No way." So that was her proof that it was it was genuine. So I wanted to ask you, because I would imagine that if that happened to me, I would probably feel weird, like, where is this coming from? How old were you when you first received communication from someone on the other side, and were you scared? Well, um, yeah, I, I, I was. <laughs> I I knew it was abnormal, <laughs> and um, I uh, would get messages like "say this to say this to this person" uh, or that, and I would, um, and and it would be so um, like "say it, go say it." So I would approach strangers, and just and and whatever I said, which was often very innocuous and I didn't understand what it meant like you know blue car under the trundle bed the person would start crying they would have her and I'd be like okay bye because even though I didn't know what this meant they always knew what it meant and it touched them deeply and I thought oh my gosh this is evil um you know I've been possessed by the devil or you know how we're taught to a lot of us grow up, you know, and um, but I was in a graduate um, school program. I was in graduate school at the time, studying communication, which is big God's big cosmic joke. Um, you want an advanced degree in communication? I'll give you one. Um, and so I um, went to someone that was a, a, a friend of a mother's friend, a friend's mother, and she was like, oh, this is gifts of the spirit. And I was like, what's that, you know? And um, I wasn't that convinced, but she had two priest friends that were coming, and um, I was Catholic, coming to town, and uh, she said, you need to meet with Father Ed and Father Pete, you know? And so I'm like, okay, psychologist, yeah. Um, And I was... I was at the top of my glass. I was. I knew that I couldn't be so functioning and be losing my mind. Um, so I spoke to them, and they're like, "How do people respond?" I said, "Well, they're they're always having awareness. They seem to find the message helpful." Um, and they said, "Well, this is you know gifts of the spirit," and they showed me. Um, something in the Bible, and they said, well, and I said, well, how do you know, you know, it's from God, a gift from God? And they said, well, if it helps people, you know it's from God. And if you see any negative thing coming from it, then you know it's from a darker source and stop it. And I'm like, stop it. I didn't even start it. I don't even know. And um, that's been almost 33 years later and um, thousands of connections and so um, wow. But yeah, I was frightened. <laughs> I can I was only frightened. imagine. But I'm sure and, it's been well, a huge and, and, blessing. You know, there's, I know that I can't know. I know that I can't know things. You know, like with Jocelyn, and um, you know that 
that's one of hundreds and hundreds of stories is, you know, I know I, Catherine, never saw these people before in my life or know anything about them or whatever. Wow, it's just amazing. Now, Jocelyn, why do you think Kevin chose Catherine to speak to you through? Because you, 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 you both were married and had a beautiful marriage. Why do you think he chose her to speak through instead of speaking directly to you? Well, I well, Catherine's the one with the gift, so that was really the only way that I could do it. And I, I don't, I don't think that uh, Kevin chose Catherine to do that. I think, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a God. It was a blessing from God, not from Kevin, that I was able to have this. Um, and I have no idea why I got this gift. I have no idea. I, I ask myself that all the time. Why me? You know, why did I get to have this experience? There's so many other people out there who are losing people that they love and who would love to have had the connection that I had, and I, I can't tell you why I was the one who got it. I'm just, just, it's just a blessing. Mm. And and that, if that could happen for uh, more people, do you think it would help people to not get stuck in grief? Because some people have, get stuck and they don't, get out of bed for years except to go to the bathroom or yeah you know it's funny my mom uh, who was a italian you know she said in italian families when someone dies you go to bed for a year that's what you do you know um so i i and i understand that but and of course i think if uh people other people had the opportunity that i had they would feel like i do which is one of the large in large part why Catherine and i wanted to write the book was to help people going through, you know, the same kind of thing to to know or to know what, um, at least share the experience I have. Because for me, I know that Kevin is, is even though he's not here, he's not gone. I know he's, well, he's, you know, that we still, he's still around. I know that when I die, I'm going to get to be with him again. Um, and so, you know, if, uh, if readers can... Just feel what I feel and know what I know from it. I think it would help help them. Obviously, yes, absolutely. And 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 as you continue to read, see, and then for our listeners, when I was reading it, um, it's the part where, and this this was helpful for me. Jocelyn shares how she really her Kevin was the religious one. She totally was totally the last person who you probably would think this will happen to or who would believe it and then you can see how it is genuine and um it's just it it, it, it i think it is a very healing even though it might not be a, a you know my own experience or somebody else's to see see somebody go through that it could give you hope that when somebody leaves their body it's not the end it's 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 not the end and then more people might want to find out well how can i talk to you know this how can I talk to my loved one? I want to talk to my loved one the way Jocelyn did. Uh, I want to be able to do that. Now, Catherine, Kevin doesn't appear to know that he's in a coma. I found that odd when I was reading the book as well. It's it's He's talking about how wonderful it is. He's not in any pain. Uh, and then he, there's a there's a point in the book to our listeners where he's, he's almost preparing Jocelyn 
uh, like she's a part of the decision, but to let go. But he doesn't appear to know that he's in a coma. He's not in any pain. So if you're looking at your loved one in the hospital and you're, you're just like, oh, my God, is, is he in pain? And that is making it even more harder for you. But from your communications, Catherine, with those who have departed or after we cross over, do we feel do we feel pain? Kevin didn't seem to, and or do we feel like we're in limbo or dreaming? Do they tell you what it feels like for them? Well, after I think that with people in comas, they 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 that is a that is something they report. They feel like they're dreaming. Like they don't know that they're um, in a coma. They feel like they're dreaming and. Um, and just to your point, um, I have um, a lot of times uh, I am um, facilitating a connection for somebody after they've died, and they often will recount things that were said at their deathbed um, that, again, kind of like I wouldn't have any um, way of knowing, you know, like uh, a client's grandma said, you know, you were right. It was just like crossing the street. And she said she got to her grandmother's deathbed and she took her hand, you know, to say her goodbye and said, you know, grandma, it's just like crossing the street. You know, I'll hold your hand. I think it's just like crossing the street. So her grandmother told her exactly what had been said. And um, and that happens all the time or quite frequently and so I would really suggest to your listeners and everyone your loved ones hear you and they hear your goodbyes they hear what they hear your I love you and they may seem like they don't know and I don't know if they're hearing with their regular ears or their heart ears or their soul ears but um and then once someone is gone, everybody's death and everybody's hereafter, it seems, you know, um, is different. So mm-hmm. it's not a one-size-fits-all. Of course, it would um, involve what our belief system, for someone who's a Buddhist, you know, Jesus is probably not going to welcome them home. But for Kevin, he got to meet Jesus, and that was in line with his very Christian um, belief system. So um, everybody has their own uniqueness. And is there times that people are in what we call limbo or they don't know? Yes, I have had those uh, situations, but they're few and far between. And it's not like they're suffering pain. Um, uh, It's just I think that when you have a belief system, you have sort of a, a um, like a map of where you're going. Not that you're not going to get there, but you know what I mean. And um, so, yes, they're not suffering. And I don't really, um, I haven't had anybody in a coma say that they're in pain, you know. Um, they're more like, oh, no, I'm dreaming or, oh, no, you know, like they're in the moment not like, oh, my gosh, what's happening to me, you know, so. Interesting. Very interesting. Jocelyn, what was it like when you were hearing 
hearing from Kevin. He would write, I, I know uh, Kevin would write letters and then share them with you uh, when he when he was talking and she would just write some things down. What was it like hearing for him? This part for me was uh, more intense. Hearing from Kevin when he thought it was best, you had planned to bring him home. Well, you, you were going to bring him home and then you were looking at maybe taking him to another facility but you really wanted to bring him home and get the house ready for him. And then he started to kind of sort of interject on that. Not like he was going to make the decision. He wanted you to be in agreement with it. But what was it like hearing from him when he thought it best that he not be brought home after the second brain surgery? I could, I, I just read that and thought, oh, my God, I don't, that would just be very intense for me. You know, I um, I, I did not I wanted him to come home, as you know from the book, and I don't. Um, uh, that was really hard, and that was the hardest writing at that time because I really had to face that he was going to die soon, and that he wasn't going to make it, and all the, you know, machinations I'd gone through and hoops I'd jumped through trying to make him better, you know, it just. I mean, you can't stop something like that. It's like trying to stop a freight train with a feather. You know, when someone's dying, they're, they're, it's not your call, obviously. Um, and But the, when I was going to say, when Catherine does the writings and she's, um, you know, she it's like a download for her. And when she shares what she's, the information she's getting, it's in like the same tone and inflection that they use. So when you when you read it, it's it's. I wish you know people could hear it like I hear it because you know when Catherine is uh, sharing what Kevin is receiving from Kevin, and she'll say, "And we've tangoed too many times for you know me to buy that." And like she she uses inflections just like he does. And so while it's a female voice, you think it's him because it just sounds just like him, word choice and everything. So that makes the whole experience even more surreal because it's not just that you're getting information um, from someone who can't give it, but it's conveyed in a way that's exactly how they are. And so it just feels even more personal because it is. So during that writing, you know, when he uh, didn't want to, you know, me to take him home and um, Catherine is explaining it to me um, from his perspective and I'm not wanting to do it and and she's with his voice trying to talk me into it it was it was it was probably the one of the saddest um experiences of my life because I really just had to give up that he wasn't going to make it you know mm. it's really hard oh to, I could cry thinking about it you know just get to that uh, point where you just know yeah. it's you oh. know yeah, bless you. Guilt, it's over. Guilt, you know, you get to that I, I can, uh, with people close to me, I have laws. And I don't know, they say this is common. And I don't know if this is when somebody's super close to you. But they say guilt is, is can be, uh, is a, is just, I don't know why it shows up, but it can be a heavy part of grief. And so, Jocelyn, did you ever struggle with guilt? I've heard people say, I should have done more. I should have, I actually was in a writing group in Pennsylvania, and there was a gentleman who was in, therapy and his wife had passed five years ago and he said he said it's not true that time heals all wounds he said i'm still struggling and he just said i should have done more i should have done more so he had joined a writing group to the therapist thought if he could just write about it he could maybe start to work through some of that but did you struggle with with that Uh, for our listeners who might be struggling with guilt 
uh, I should have done more. I should have done this. I shouldn't have took them there. I shouldn't have let them drive. Did you ever struggle with that after Kevin's transition? And if you did, how did you get beyond the guilt? You know, I, I did, but, but for me I had a little different circumstance. Um, is, you know, when he um, got diagnosed with brain cancer the first time and they did the surgery and, and, um, and they said, you know, it's going to come back. And when it comes back, it's going to come back in a worse form and you're going to die a horrible death. That's, that's essentially what they told us. And Kevin's younger brother had died of brain cancer when he was 17, so he knew what it looked like and he knew what a horrible death from brain cancer looked like. And so I had, and I, and I asked the doctor, you know, well, how long does he have? And he, of course, they don't want to give you a definitive time frame, but he said he had a 50-50 chance of making it to five years. So I knew I had this window to basically have the whatever kind of relationship I could have, have it. So those years I just devoted myself to making our, him happy and us happy and, you know, happy because I, most people don't get the opportunity to have, to know that someone's going to die and to give them a chance to say those things and have those connections, you know, that they would like to share if they thought that was going to be the last time, you know. So I was lucky that I had some warning um, mm. about that. Um, but also, um, I felt terribly guilty. I second-guessed every choice I made. And, I, you know, should we have not done the surgery? If we hadn't done the surgery, would he have lived longer? Would it have come back some fast? Did he suffer? And then you're angry. You know, you're really angry. I mean, I was so angry at the universe and, and, and people who still had their spouses. Like, I'd see an old couple walking down the street on my street, and I'd want to run out there and either knock them over because it pissed me off that they were still happy, or run up to them and say, do you know how lucky you are? You better cherish each other. I mean, I have these conflicting feelings, and I still see those old people. I think, why do you get to do that and not me? You know, it's it's that, that part doesn't go away. You feel like you were robbed because you were, and that – those feelings, you know, you just you 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 learn to live with them, but it's it's but and it's but I think people need to feel like it's okay to be angry because that's the hard part. You know, you're so angry and you, you you it's not it doesn't feel good to be angry at somebody who's dead, but it's it's part of the process. You know, mm. would you, would you have a tip uh, to share with someone? Because uh, I've promoted this show and definitely going to share it even more after. Um, would you have a tip? I'm, I always think of the listeners and how they just, and this one's to help them to heal. Your situation was different, but based on what you went through and maybe other people's experiences you're aware of, would you have a one tip that you could share with somebody if they are stuck in guilt and it's just hammering them? Well, that's, you know, it's really tough because when people say it's not your fault, you know the situation isn't your fault, but you're still the one left holding the bag at the end. You know, you are. And um, it, it's, it, you just, the main thing for me is I know, and this is from all the things that Kevin has said and all the also conversations I've had with Catherine, who's had lots of writings with other people, is that the love that they have for us is still there, and it's even better. It's in a more pure form. And they don't feel guilt. They're not mad. They're not angry. You know, we have all those feelings, but they don't. For them, it's all about the love. They just, you know, want to be there for us 
you know, even though they're not really there, but, you know, sending us little signs and letting us know that they're still around, like in the book with the squirrel and those little divine synchronicities where you get signs from people, like Catherine will tell you someone will smell grandma's perfume when grandma's been dead for, you know, 20 years. They send you little signs to let you know that you're not alone, and that does help a lot with the guilt, I think. Mm. Well, thank you. I appreciate what you shared. I think for those, uh, uh, and I can think of a group that I'm in, they uh, if I can share this interview with them, they, it may provide, I mean, tremendous, tremendous healing. Now, Catherine, Kevin had a, um, he had a great appreciation for life. Where do you think he gained this? He was, he just was like, uh, his soul was so in such a, a good place, period. Where do you think he gained this strong sense of appreciation, almost like a childlike Appreciation for things Where do you think he got that from? Catherine Sorry I didn't know Kevin before this But what I do know Is And and talk about in the book Is he had faith He was a good man He had faith He was very service oriented and, you know, he was grateful, he engaged life, and I think we all know those people. We can be those people now ourselves, you know, that reach out to be in service to other people um, who want to help, who want to connect, who want to love deeply, who who not want to actually do it. And he was a man of faith. He uh you know, Jocelyn says he carried his Bible with him every day. That's a man of pretty strong faith. Let's just uh, uh, recognize that. And so I think for all of us, and that's the point in the book, too, is, you know, when you get the terminal uh, diagnosis, that's not the time to get your faith. And by faith, I don't mean necessarily your religion, although it can be your religion, but, you know, we all have that spirit of love, and so I, from what I know and have heard about Kevin, he was that kind of man. He got up on on the weekend and went and took the vans out of the seats out of his minivan and went and collected food and took it to um, the food shelters. And you know, he was a man who was a giver to life and a liver of life. And I think that that makes all the difference in the world. And if we know that we've um, done well, you know, and he had a good life, he and Jocelyn, of course, but we've served others and we've loved well, we're not as afraid because we're we're breathing love. We're living love. We have our God, our faith. And so for those people, it's not, oh, it's the 12th hour, I better get religion now because, you know, I'm scared. Because, I mean, that's something you, can cult, you, I, everyone can cultivate throughout our whole life. And surely, I'm sure you know people, I know people, and your listeners all know people who they say, yeah, you know, they wouldn't want to die, but they're like, you know, I feel like I've been given this time to make a difference for others, to love, to experience. And those folks, their deaths 
are, you know, not that you don't suffer physical pain or whatever, but they can meet it with a grace because they're not living from a life of short supply to begin with. Like, oh, my gosh, you know. And as you say in the book, Kevin, um, you know, this loving man who's, who, um, you know, who, who's not afraid to die. He knows she's afraid, but he has no qualms and no sadness about going because he knows he's going to a better place. It's not even a question. He doesn't need to be convinced. So that's what I would say is the time to live our lives and love in our lives is every single day and every single opportunity now because we don't know how much time we have. But we know that we can touch people and make a difference in others' lives. And we're and our readers are saying that, that read that the book, a, you know. And that's a strong message, and he did do that. So that, that could take that how are you living your life. It might impact the experience. Uh, after we cross over. Now, Jocelyn, you had alluded to this, and that was a question I wanted to ask you. Now, after Kevin had transitioned, there was this bird or, uh, I remember, animal in your backyard. (laughs) And how were you, I mean, these are animals that you you could see, you know, somebody anytime. But how were you so certain that this animal was a sign or a message from Kevin? What did it do to make you say, He's he's communicating with me. Well, I'd had a um, I got after after Kevin died. Um, I had a first after death writing with Catherine, and then the next day was my birthday, and he sent an unsolicited writing, which Catherine gave me, and um, in it he said he was going to um, try to send me a sign, and so I was kind of keeping my eyes peeled for a sign. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I was like looking in the closet and stuff. I I, I wasn't sure what you know what it was going to look like and then uh, a couple days later this squirrel was on the fence in my backyard and I've never seen a squirrel there before and and the reason I knew it was there was I have these two huge dogs a Doberman and a German Shepherd and they were outside barking and jumping on the fence I look outside there's a squirrel on the fence I was like oh my god there's a squirrel on the fence I've never seen a squirrel there and just stood there and looked at me like eye contact and my kids um, two of my kids were there, and I was like, oh, my God, look, it's, it's Kevin, because he had this thing for squirrels, and I just mm. knew it was, I knew it was him, because he had this thing for squirrels, whenever we'd go to Lake Arrowhead or Bass Lake, he'd always buy peanuts and line them up on the deck and watch him eat them and then laugh in the morning when the shells were there. He just always liked squirrels. He grew up in New Jersey. He wished that California had more trees and more squirrels and things like that. So when I saw this squirrel, where I'd never seen one before, and it was just staring at me calmly while these two huge dogs are trying to make a squirrel McNugget out of it. You know, I knew it was Kevin. I knew it. It couldn't be anything else. And then the next writing I had, I didn't even ask him. He just he just said, you know, the squirrel was me. He just threw it out wow. there because I was. I, I mean, I knew it was. And, and and that's one of the ways that I know he's still around. Um, like, for example, I'll get in the car and I'll turn the radio on and Brown-Eyed Girl from Van Morrison will play, a song he loves and always attributed to me. And 
it'll happen so often that it's like I'll turn on the radio and I think it's Van Morrison Brown Eyed Girl Station because that song comes on first song over and over again. There's no reason that that should do that. You know, it's just another way that he's like letting me know he's around. Oh my goodness, what a what a blessing, what a blessing. Now, Catherine, do, while you were hearing from getting messages from Kevin, had you also been receiving messages from other people who cross over? And then I wanted to ask you, if so, how do you know who's speaking? And then I had a second follow-up question. Are you able, Do you? is there a way you shut that out so you're like, okay, I'm, I don't want to receive any messages for from two to five or whatever, or, or are you not able to shut it out? So it's a couple of questions. Were you receiving messages from other people at the it's same time you were receiving like, messages? It's, it's not like a radio channel, you know, and I have to go like, okay, enough already. You know, I believe God sends me the people that I connect with. It's not like I have a shingle out and do, you know, a business for that. Um but what what happens is I believe that, um, you know, you said, was it Kevin who chose it? I believe that for whatever reason I have this gift, it's God-given, and God directs the people that, that are supposed to find me. And um, so it's not that I know anything. It's It's more that, you know, somebody will, like, Jocelyn's sister, Vicki, will say, you know, you should talk to Catherine. And then once that person's there, and I always say, look, you know, I can't. It's not like I have a telephone and I can call up heaven and say, can you bring Bob to the phone, you know. Uh, it doesn't work that way. It just, if it's meant to be, it happens. Now, the God-writing aspect of what I do is always there. But these deceased people... Um, so it's not that they, they, um, you know, they they start talking, and now I've got you know a hundred new friends that want to talk to me all the time because they're not interested in me. They're interested in their loved one, and so, you know, during a, a writing session that might drop in, and how do I know who it is? I don't really know who it is, you know, because what I'm getting is not necessarily the person. It's the energy that I then transform into these words, right? So it isn't, it isn't like the telephone game. Um, and but they say something so significant that only you know that the person themselves know, you know. And they'll say, "Is it my brother?" And I'll go, "I don't know. I don't know your brother." You know. But then they'll they'll answer or they'll share something. So specific. I had a, a an older woman come one time for a writing session, and um, uh, man says, "Just out or well, like it was male energy." Says, "It's like I have all the vowels now." And the woman looked at me because mm-hmm. she didn't even know that that was in the realm of possibility. And their thing, they were older, is they played Scrabble all the time. And so, if you have all the vowels. They did it every night, she said. You can spell any word. Like if you're sitting there without a vowel, you're never going to spell a word. And so that's the kind of, you know, um, shocking um, things, you know. Uh, the children who people have lost children, which is the hardest loss of all, you know, share and talk about guilt there. You know, lose a child, what the parent goes through. Um 
so in those ways, they always give, uh, you know, and then go into great detail about different things. I've had mothers who've lost their children. I mean, mother. Uh, I once had some people come. It was a mother and a best friend of a woman who had an aneurysm rupture in her head. And um, they found me and came. And she just wanted to talk to them about what she wanted done with her children. You know, she found her way to say, and she had young children, you know, and she was a young woman, and, uh, you know, so, but it doesn't last, you know, and I have people that, you know, over the years have gone to my front door to leave, and they're like, okay, bye, and I'm like, hey, they're not staying with me, you know, (laughs) your loved one's with you, they're going with you, you know, they're not interested in me, you know, and that's what I hope your listeners know, is that, Love is, our hearts are portals, you know, and and the love we share with people, it's a highway that does not end or get roadblocked in death, you know. Love is more powerful than anything, and um, if you feel them, don't, you know, and this is, this is one of the reasons I read the book wrote the book too is that we all have this ability i don't think it's you need a catherine we each have this ability and our love connects us with our loved ones but a lot of us have these experiences and we dismiss them and say oh i must be crazy or you know oh i imagine that it's your loved one wants to reach out and let you know they're with you so you know and since we've written this book, you know, readers are just coming out of the woodwork and saying, I had this experience and I never told anybody. And, you know, this happened to me as a child. And I feel like my husband's with me at night, but I can't talk to anybody because I don't want them to think I'm crazy, you know. And so, you know, this is a taboo topic. But what we know is we're all having these experiences. And, and I say, if you feel your loved one, don't you know, tell yourself it's booga booga, just say thank you. And when you talk to them, they hear you. They know they're with you. Um and that and we all have this idea it's like the mo you know, it's like a ghost, you're you know, or they're gonna be possessed or something. You know, why would love stop at death? You know, we hear mothers raise lift cars off their children. You know, we can do heroic and amazing things. And I think God designed us for connection and love. It's not just limited to this lifetime. And I thank you for what you, both you and Jocelyn, have shared. we coming down to the last few minutes, and I'm not going to be able to get to all the questions. But I, I really thank you for all you've shared. I just had a few other questions I'm going to be able to ask you that I just think our listeners, there will be people hopefully who will start that path toward healing, maybe just from reading your book or and or listening to this interview. So, Jocelyn, did your children believe that their father was communicating with Catherine? Did you share that with them? And what what have your children told you about the book, Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife? Well, the, they, they knew that when I did the first uh, few writings, and then when Kevin was in hospice, uh, he came, Catherine came and did a writing with the children. Uh, my my two kids and so um, they they got to experience it firsthand and um, 
And about the book, you know, it's funny. I, I've, uh, my, my youngest son hasn't read it, and I gave it to him to read, and he said, you know, I'm really proud of you, and I think it's great that you did it, but I was there, and I remember everything, and so um, I don't need to relive it. And I, and I get that, and I said, well, I get that. That's, that's fine. Um, but um, they, um, they know that it's definitely having the communication has made me feel that I'm not, that Kevin isn't really gone and that I still have him close. And, you know, and I still talk to him all the time and talk to them about him all the time. Just the other day, my um, my youngest son, who's in the book, um, he just turned 13 when Kevin got had the surgery. He just turned 20 um, a couple days ago. And we were oh. sitting outside um, talking about, you know, Kevin, just like he was there and kind of reminiscing about the last birthday we had together, which was just a week before he had the surgery when he, he didn't make it. But, um, you know, he's still very much part of our lives, and having this connection definitely keeps that there. I thank you for sharing your story. Oh, my goodness. And who knows, maybe one day your son could be decades from now might read it, and it might really prove extremely (laughs) uh, uh, beneficial for him. Last question for you, Ms. Catherine, as we're running out of time. What are divine synchronicities? Could you tell our listeners, what's a divine synchronicity? Um, A divine synchronicity is that kind of sign or uh, intervention, if you will. It can take two forms where uh, you you know proof positive uh, uh, that your loved one's sending you a message. So it may be uh, a friend, uh, I mean a phone call that you receive. It may be that um, you have something you associate with. Some people say pennies. I see a penny and I know that that's my grandpa or 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 anything that you associate with that individual that just shows up randomly or wonder or we have divine synchronicities where we take a turn in a different direction and we go a different route and then we find out there was an accident we would have been in. So it's it's that kind of connection, that sense, that sacred moment and a sign and a symbol and usually it's a physical representation or something that you know proof positive for Jocelyn it was for the squirrels but again it could be anything I've had people tell me the phones rang in their their landline in their parents house when they're cleaning it out when the phones turned off rang so it can be very um, woo-woo-y or it can be just as normal you know Somebody loved hummingbirds, and now hummingbirds show up everywhere, and they never were at their, they've never seen them in their house before. Or, you know, even birds come peck on the window or, you know, all kinds of different things. So um, it's it's a divine synchronicity where you might be thinking, oh, this is just a coincidence. Oh, that's a coincidence. If you find yourself thinking that's a coincidence or just ask yourself, or is it? Could it be a divine synchronicity? You know, just okay, pause now. and ask yourself that question. Now, where can off-the-shelf listeners get a copy of Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife? Um, it's available on Amazon. 
um, just heart uh, beyond ever after, heart to heart journey. Um, I don't know. Uh, are you on the East Coast, Denise? I am, but our are listeners you? are from all over yeah. the world. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, we're in California and things are pretty much shut down or going to be sh- re-shut down. So Amazon's the best place. You can just get it on Amazon and uh, order it up and it comes to your house. You don't even have to put a mask on or gloves. <laughs> it'll, it'll help your, if you're staying at home, it'll help you <laughs> pass the time and in a in a wondrous way, you know. Yes. So. Now, do you have any other upcoming speaking engagements? Uh, could you let us know about those? You know, we don't right now because uh, everything has been pulled down. Because, but you can go on the internet on and Google Beyond Ever After at our web or or just our names, Catherine Weisenberg or Jocelyn Montanero, and there's some media some interviews, uh, recordings, and we did a, a big uh, uh, two-hour IANS talk, uh, International Association of Near-Death Studies, that's up. Um, so if you get the spelling of our name from Amazon, then you can Google that, and it'll bring up some um, some public speaking we've done. But well, thank things you, are pretty thank quiet. You. We we so thank Jocelyn Montanero and Catherine Weisenberg who've been with us here this morning. I, I highly recommend this book. And the reason I would recommend it to any of our off the shelf listeners is because it'd be shocking if you don't experience uh having to say goodbye to somebody from this world. And or you might be struggling with grief and or maybe you're struggling with it and you don't know it. You're angry, you're irritated a lot, or you feel depressed, your energy just is low and especially with this COVID nineteen. So yeah. if anybody who's dealing with the loss of a loved one is hard enough and then if you're quarantined on top of it Oh, my goodness. Right. So I recommend this book, Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death and the Afterlife. I, I'm telling you, this book is, 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 is the, the goal, I don't think, is to do anything with the story. It just organically and naturally, I think, offers healing and hope. And the website is beyondeverafter.com, B-E-Y-O-N-D, E D E R A F T R dot com beyond ever after dot com. I really, really encourage you to get the book and to uh, visit their website. We want to thank Jocelyn and Catherine for the work that they do, for writing the book, and for taking time out of their Saturday to be with us here on Off the Shelf uh, Books Talk Radio. And as I always tell all of you, you are amazing. You are awesome. You are incredible. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Jocelyn and Catherine, I'll send you an email with a link to the show when it finishes streaming. Thank you again. Bye for now. Thank thank you for having us. Thank you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.